0: It's good to be in your midst here again this evening. And as we've met here, we trust that the Lord will bless us and uh, be with us as we look into His Word together. This evening, I would like to look at the subject of godly purity. Or you might say, intimate relations. And what is it about purity that is so important to the Christian people? Let's turn to 1 John chapter 3, and we'll notice a couple verses there that answers this question. 1 John chapter 3, beginning to read in verse 1 Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So there it answers the question of what's so important and crucial about purity? and The standard is that God is pure, and every man that has the hope of eternal life in God, and that is interested in getting aboard God's program, it says, Every man that has this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And it says, God bestowed his love upon us and called us his sons. And think about that for a moment. If, if you knew a man that um, was possessor of a hundred million dollars. And he was 80 years old, and he said, "I'd be glad to take you on for my son, and when I die, everything I have is yours." But you know you got there's a few things here that you need to do. Why, you know, I think we would endeavor to you know, if it was within reason, we would endeavor to do those things in order to be that man's heir. But here God is offering us a whole lot better package than all that. You know, um, living for Him here on this earth and experiencing His love and having the hope of dwelling with Him all throughout eternity is way better than a hundred million in my estimation. And says, if you've got that hope in you, God is pure and you'll purify yourself. So God loved us and... For those of us that believe in Him and confess Him, He makes us His Son, and there's a glorious future in store for us. And as it points out there in verse 2, we don't know what all might come our way, but we do know that we'll be with God. And so uh, because of this hope, we work on being in His likeness now, and we purify ourselves even as God is pure. And Jesus said in another place, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So think about that for a few moments. Um, Those that purify their heart, have their affections purified, and are focused on serving God, And it's not talking about a fuzzy existence to where we're of no value on this earth. We plug in here on this earth and do things that affect the physical world, but at the same time purify our hearts to the degree that we can be effective for God's kingdom in that process. And so godly purity is an imperative for a Christian. It's a basic necessary trait for a Christian person who believes in God and who trusts Him for their salvation and who is anticipating and being with God and Jesus in the afterlife. We live in a fleshly body, and it has desires, and those sometimes can be wrong. You know, we have good desires. We can have good desires, and I believe we do, that we can work, that we can excel in projects here that have to do with physical things. We can have friends. But it says in another place that our heart is deceitful and wicked and we need to be careful about it. And so our desires can sometimes be wrong too. And if a person has begun to dabble in impure thoughts and impure things and actions, those desires sometimes can become strong and there's a stronghold built up within ourselves and they're hard to break down and resist. Jesus said that those who are pure in their very heart, in the core of their being, are the ones who will see God. There was a uh, man that has done some work for me in our shop, and he's a handyman, and he uh, came up with some Christian training, but he hasn't—he's midlife or a little past—and hasn't done very well in implementing it. Has done a lot of wrong things in his adulthood, and. But he considers himself to be a Christian and he told me one time that we, I really rely on the grace of God. And basically what he's saying is that I think the grace of God will sweep under the rug all this wrong that I am continuing in doing. Um, he's living with a woman unmarried and some other things. Uh, but we believe also in the grace of God but it's, it's a different form of the grace of God. The grace of God enables us to live on the high road and overcome temptations and be victorious. You know, many a person has struggled with how to cleanse their ways and be pure. Let's turn to Psalm 119, and here we have the short answer, and we'll read that and meditate on it a little bit, and then we'll go on to some more um, passages and thoughts that give some more detail on it. But here in Psalm 119, looking at verse nine, it says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? And so how can a person cleanse their way by taking heed to the word of God? And so it's important that we think about those things. This is the theme of the subject tonight, taking God's Word and taking heed to it that brings cleansing and purity to our lives. You know, if we could just grasp the imperativeness of moral purity. You know, one Anabaptist writer wrote that it makes my blood run cold to think of a person that claims to be a follower of Christ and yet dabble in impure things. And as I thought about that, he's saying that... um, that expression makes my blood run cold means you're filled with fear or fright or your horror maybe and so it's it's a contradiction and as I thought about that why do you re- I don't know if your mother did or not, but my mother had little church dogs that had magnets on the bottom and if you would try to hold them up against each other in in a certain direction, they would repel each other because there was a contradiction there and The magnetic poles were were opposed to each other. And I think that's what this writer was saying, that, you know, to say you're a Christian and yet dabble in impure things, it's that type of a contradiction. They they don't mesh and they don't work together. And so um, as we think about purity, you know, if we're married, we have promised to forsake all others and to keep ourselves only for our one and only as long as we both shall live. And it's a union that's dissolved only by death, given and witnessed on earth and recorded in heaven. And Proverbs 27, it tells us that the eyes of man are never satisfied. And if any have started down that road of seeking more than what is lawfully yours by the scriptures, well, you'll soon realize that your flesh wants more and more and more. Um but marriage is a total package. It involves spiritual and emotional and fleshly connection. And in these areas we become one, and the Bible calls that a one flesh uh, arrangement. And God has given us this gift of sexuality, and he created us to have these desires. And Satan is always working to distort and twist God's good design. And marriage, we believe by the scripture, is the only place that we can allow for fulfillment for these desires. And in that one man and one woman relationship within marriage we is the place for meeting each other's emotional and physical and also uh, spiritual needs. Faithfulness in marriage brings satisfaction and it brings um, happiness beyond expectations. So it's important that we resist the desire for dissatisfaction. Give yourselves to each other if you're married. And for single persons, sometimes it's God's will to be um, single. And we believe that purity is a must for this person as well. Um, And God has called some persons to singlehood, and we, we honor and respect that. But at the same time, then you have this issue to work through. But God gives enabling grace. And the only legitimate outlet for this type of activity is in marriage. And so if you're single, why, ask God to diminish your desires and help you control them. And sometimes it's important to avoid certain activities and places where you know the enemy will have an opportunity to tempt you Uh, I referred the other night to the pineapple story that Otto Koenig wrote. And, you know, when those uh, natives there that he was working with said, we can't help ourselves, he he told them to go down to the river the other way. In other words, avoid the places where, you know, temptations will become high pressure. And so avoid, avoid situations that feed temptation, that make it more intense. And then there is the electronic way to feed temptations. Um, There's the electronic way to feed the illicit sexual excitement animal. A a report was put out by the Health and Human Services that tells us that the digital revolution is being used by younger and younger children and catch this next phrase here, to dismantle the barriers that channel sexuality into family life. Now there's a lot said there. And what it's saying is that people hand young children cell phones that are unguarded and they're looking at sexual trash on there and that it breaks down the barriers and it, it is destructive to the thoughts that family units are important and that that's the outlet for sexuality and so the potential for harm on an electronic device is very high and it's important that we have oversight and filters and a walking alongside. So it's important that those things are in place. And also, uh, those um, researchers tell us that um, porn use is very destructive and that it brings loneliness and depression. And here's some more facts, that 47% of families in the U.S. report that porn is a problem and that the use of this increases unfaithfulness unfaithfulness in their home life by three times in marriages. Forty percent of these addicts lose their spouse, 33 percent lose their jobs, and 68 percent of all divorces involve a person meeting a new person on the Internet. And so there's a lot of things out there that are dangerous and that we need to be wary about. You know, porn, whether it is in print or electronic or in real flesh, is a terrible negative. And any kind of sexual arousal outside of the marriage bond and with our own partner that we have committed ourselves to is off limits by God's standard. But there's other ways that we can feed this lust animal and get illicit excitement. Let's flip to Ephesians chapter five. And here, in verse 3 and 4, it says, But fornication and all uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So here it tells us that filthiness and foolish talking, along with fornication, is off limits. And of course, we would see fornication as uh, sexual relations between unmarried persons. And we clearly know that that's not a ideal, not a godly way to conduct ourselves. But think about filthiness or foolish talking or jesting. You know, jokes about this area are degrading. Uh, And sometimes we walk into a business or come up on a group of people that are talking And there's a story being told, and there's coarse laughter. And how do we respond to that? You know, we have a choice to make if we're going to be one of the guys and chuckle a little bit along with the crowd, or can we turn away or maybe make a kind comment that would all of a sudden throttle the situation down. You know, we have choices to make. And these fall into the category, I believe, that should not once be named among you, as it says here. Um, then going on, verses 5 through 8, know this ye, or, For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God, Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You know, back to the thought and the story about the made-up story about the band that had a hundred million. You know, um, if he said, I want you to do certain things, you would probably do it. You know, back in the story of Naaman in the Old Testament, why the prophet said, go down and dip in the river seven times. And it, it made him angry. He said... You know, there's there's cleaner rivers than that at home. Damascus, let me go. And before he went too far, his uh, servants were able to talk a little sense into him. Said, if you, if he'd have told you to go to some extreme measures to do something to achieve cleanliness of your flesh, you would have probably tried to do it. But it's simple. Go try it. What do you have to lose? And he went down and dipped. And his. Flesh became pure and clean as a little child's, it says. And so, you know, we have this inheritance that's promised to us of God, and yet um, this walk with God that we have offered to us and that we have ta- extended our, yes, t- taken that offer that has been extended to us and says, you are children of light. Walk as children of light. And so the instruction is that, this is the way that God wants it to be. And so it's, it's really about like dipping in the river seven times. You know, it's, it's, it's really pretty simple, although sometimes, as I said earlier, we can get entrapped, and it becomes quite complex to escape that entrapment. And it takes prayer and surrender and power of Christian friends to help us overcome of that. But to engage in some sort of illicit behavior to get sexual excitement and to claim to be Christ's servant is a paradox. It's an impossible union. But if you struggle, don't throw up your hands in defeat. Um, These things are opposed to each other. But it's important to uh, realize that pleasing God is the most important thing. Back to 1 John, the love that the Father gave to us enabled us to become His sons. And as sons, it says, we'll purify ourselves even as He is pure. So let's turn to Psalm 119 again, and we'll notice several more verses there. Psalm 119, beginning to read in verse 10, the one immediately followed, the one that says, "If, if you want to cleanse your way, take heed according to my word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of my mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Here this passage brings out that if you're focused on the right thing, if you're focused on the reward of walking with God here and spending eternity with him, then you'll think about his word and hide it in your heart that I might not sin, it says. So there's an anecdote To falling into sin, hiding God's Word in his heart and then and appealing to God teach me your statutes, help them to be a part of my mind, help me them to penetrate my thinking and help me then with my lips to declare your testimonies and your judgments and rejoice in those things and meditate in the precepts and have respect to his ways and delight in his statutes, and I will not forget thy word. And so the whole embodiment of that passage there is taking the word of God into your mind in such a way and getting excited about it. Um, You know, if we go out and see some powerful engine or something, it's impressive. But this is impressive. This is the type of thing that has eternal value and can really help us out in life. Speak of God's ways, rejoice, and meditate, and delight. Let's flip back to Romans chapter 13. And this positive course of action is also enlarged on here. And we'll look at that here and within a few verses. Um, looking first of all, we're starting to read at verse 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So here we see that it tells us that the day is far spent. And the night is at hand, and let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So it's a conscious choice that I have chosen this path, and it's part of the package. And, you know, if back to the $100 million illustration, if if the man was standing here right beside me, I I wouldn't do something that was displeasing to him because I was committed to pleasing him. But we believe that God is ever-present with us. He's within us as Christian people. And you know, somehow we miss the connection um, when we're faced with temptation and we're cons- contemplating falling or maybe even do fall. We miss the connection that God is right there and He's displeased and disappointed and dis- maybe even discouraged with us at that moment because we're going against what He wants in the tremendous offer and deal that He's made with us. So we need to do our part and hold up our part. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 14, and don't make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Someone gave the illustration that our our mind is like a cup full of water. And let's say as we, when we come to Christ, Maybe we've dabbled into the wrong things. And there's, let's, it's the equivalent of having a muddy cup of water. And you start pouring the scriptures in. It, it doesn't just immediately flush out. You know, if you've got a cup full of water and you start pouring in clear water, it might take a good goodly amount, maybe 10 or 20 or 30 cups full of pure water to get all the trash flushed out of that muddy cup. And that's um, it's what it's talking about here, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. And that's why sometimes people that have been entrapped in sin, it just takes a while and a lot of walking beside and a lot of hard work to get to the point where they're stable because the, the mud is in there. But if we are continually adding a little more mud, trash you might say, it it. It retains some trash within, and it makes it, it hard to be pure. And so think, think about that. You need to be adding only the pure, clear water, the only the right things, the scriptures, and thinking about what is holy and what is godly and determining never to yield to anything else. Let's turn back to Proverbs 2, and we'll notice a couple more thoughts here. You know, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about this subject in proverbs 2 beginning to read in verse 16 it says to deliver thee from the strange woman even from the stranger which flattereth with her words which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her god for her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead Know that go, None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men, and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. And so... You know, I started out there and didn't give what it was that was going to be the protecting factor, and it refers to discretion there in verse 11, and wisdom in verse 10, and understanding righteousness and judgment and equity in verse 9, and verse 8, he that keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. And so, there's a lot of things there that are described, but it's the essence of getting the scriptures into your minds and getting that purity that comes from knowing God and His will and His way for us within our hearts and minds. And and it says, They will deliver you, you might say, from sexual temptations. They will help us to stand firm on what God wants from us, the one that is standing by and watching. And in verse 18 it says, Her house, referring to an adulterous woman, but I think it could apply to a lot of different things that would be off-limits sexually, is the way of death and her paths lead unto the dead. Let's turn to Proverbs 4 then. And beginning to read in verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let Let thine eyes look right on, and thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And so here, there again, our heart, our cup of water, are we guarding it? Says, out of it are the issues of life. Are we maintaining purity? Are we, if if there's some impurity there, are we flushing with the Word of God and good Christian friends to to build the, and increase the level of purity that is there? It says, keep it with all diligence. In other words, apply yourself. It's it's one of the most important works of our life to keep our hearts pure before God. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. Our actions emanate from the, the processor that we have within our um, mind and our spirit. So it's important, as it says, don't turn to the right hand or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Let's turn to chapter six, Proverb, beginning to read in verse 20. And here it uh, reads. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lest not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire into his bosom, and his clothes be not burned? Can one go upon hot coals, and his feet be not burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief, if he steal steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold, he shall give all the substance of his house. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding, he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts." You know, here it brings out the natural possessive nature of the marriage bond. And if the person that goes outside of that is looking for a lot of trouble, says men can, uh, you know, they don't feel so bad about a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger, even though he must restore and he's brought to account. But these type of situations are really a whole lot worse and so it's important that we think about where we're headed in life and maintaining that purity of thought and action. Pro- Let's go back to Proverbs 2 again. I would like to read several more verses there. Beginning to read in verse 1, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee so that thou incline thine ear into wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. So we have these passages here. You know, the first night I spoke about the fear of the Lord and how it can be a guiding influence to us. Not the quaking fear, but the respecting fear that and reverence for God as the Almighty, the one that has us in His hand and that has all the nations of the earth under His control, the Creator, the Sustainer, says, "Learn to fear Him," but says to really grasp the concept that you, it takes a lot of work. Says, "Incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding." cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding. You know, if a little child gets hungry, they just have a burning desire in themselves and they can't help it. They just cry and wish. And that's the way it's saying, if you really want to know what fearing God is like, cry after this knowledge. Put a lot of effort into it and try to find out. And, you know... um, If if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then you'll understand what it means to fear and reverence God and find what knowledge of Him is all about. So as we think about fearing God and respecting Him, it's important that we put a lot of effort into it Let's turn to the 23rd proverb here in verse 26. It says, My son, give give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. You know, whenever uh, a couple gets married, we uh, talk about, I've heard it referred to already, that the young lady has given the young husband, the man that is about to become her husband, her heart. And it's one of the most precious gifts that can be given upon earth. Well, here the instruction is, give God your heart. And what the rest of it read here. Let thine eyes observe my ways. And so it's important that we give God our heart and let him take control of it and let him be in charge of our life Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, it says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. So, as we think about crucifixion, you know, when Jesus went on the cross and He was crucified, He ended up dead. And it says, crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. And so... By taking in the on the thoughts and the ways of God, and meditating on His instructions, and crying after His knowledge, like you're hunting for a lost some article that is lost. It referred to in that passage there in Proverbs about um, seek it as you would silver or gold. Um, as we seek those things, then and then we can learn what it means to crucify the flesh with the affections and lusts. So as we think about um, living for God, they that which are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and their lusts. Let's turn to Colossians now, chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, beginning to read in verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, and cupiscence, evil cupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which thing's sake the wrath of God cometh unto children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time, when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So here it tells us some things about purity of life, and it went into some other aspects of the Christian life as well, Uh, those of sins of the Spirit we call them, anger, wrath, malice, filthy communication, and lying. But look then at verse 10. It says, "...ye have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge." You know, the same thing it referred to back there in Psalm 119, where it says, how can a man cleanse his way by taking heed according to his word? And so it's all part of the package, knowing, knowing what God wants, knowing who he is, and recognizing that the only way we can truly please him is to put that into work in our life. Renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him, you know, I believe that we are in a test in these last days with the evil that is becoming very prevalent around us, these times of shameless sexual wickedness. Uh, I think the devil's trying to sift our souls and see what we're really made of, and we, it will reveal who is on the Lord's side and who is worshiping the created rather than the creator. And it's important that we recognize that to truly worship our Creator, we need to take His principles clearly into our minds and focus on them and walk in His ways. Jesus said that he that endureth to the end will be saved. And God will have a bride that is prepared and that is pure and that is righteous. And as it said in one of the verses we read, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4 yet. I would like to read one more verse here in Hebrews chapter 4, thinking about getting help and aid to make these kind of choices and decisions in life. In verse 16 here it says, let us... Therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, I talked about the man that said he relies on the grace of God to cover over a lot of ungodly living. We rely on the grace of God to, for enablement. Let us come boldly to the throne of God, grace. And you know, I don't think that's an arrogant boldness. You know, we, I've talked about how that God is so holy and mighty and the creator of all things. We can come humbly before him, but yet at the same time, come with an expectation and a, um, an openness before him. You know, that curtain that was ripped in the temple from top to bottom when Jesus was uh, maybe hanging on the cross, I think it was, um, you know, signified that we can approach right into the presence of God And here it tells us, don't be shy about making that approach. Come humbly as a fallen creature that's relying on His grace, but come and dwell there and seek His help and enablement. says we can find mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so we have a different approach to grace. It's a grace that can help us to live a pure and a holy life. And instead of living in a known sinful condition and asking God to cover this, we crucify, we wage a mighty war within our spirit, and we desire and want to be open and um, seeking before God, exposing ourselves to God and to each other that, here I am, I want to serve God, and I I'm, I'm, need God's grace, and I need His help. It's important that we seek God's face in intercessory prayer. We ask his spirit to help us. We seek to live by his promptings and we'll ask for the support of Christian friends. And as we do all this, we can obtain mercy and grace to help us in time of need.